Hello. I've just crested beyond 4 a.m. It's actually closer to quarter to f- quarter after 4, I suppose, at this point. And so I begin this recording with an acknowledgement that I may or may not be in my right mind. I'm probably too tired to do this and probably should consider not. But that's rarely been an actual deterrent. But the warning I might issue is that this will likely be much more like a a wandering out loud typical episode than what I've been able to achieve, um, at least more recently. And so I apologize. In these last few days, of course, I'm wrapping up the the reflection and recollection and and honoring of each of the other performers, each of the other participants. And while I had hoped that these would all end up being um, considerably better produced, (laughs) the reality is it's quarter after four in the morning, and so production value is likely to be the least of my concerns, remaining somewhat coherent and trying to push forward in this, uh, this whatever it is, (laughs) it's likely to be more of a uh, of a consideration because i would like to honor and reflect of what upon what clinton alvord has done with this dog days of podcasting because he's done something which is in some ways very true to my heart um his weird news story of the day was sort of the beat that i had for several years with the weird show That was the show where I achieved a considerable amount, I think, um, and where I had reached a level where I had found a rhythm, which wouldn't last forever, of course, but which I, I found an interest and an amount of work that I could produce. And I miss that tremendously. And part of what I had expected myself to potentially do for this um, reflection was to do an episode of The Weird Show. But that, sadly, is 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 not quite possible. I used to read 60 to 100 articles a week just trying to capture the moment, trying to understand what was happening in the world, and then looking for those serendipitous relationships, however strained they might be between the articles. Um, I would try to find them, try to find themes and try to find ways where thoughts would pinball from one strange notion to another, sometimes enhanced by that, that, uh, that bounce sometimes twisted into an entirely odd perspective. And over the last week, I've been looking at a lot of different articles to try to recapture both that sense of, of where I had built myself to at that point and where I found that sort of joyous moment of pure expression. But I haven't quite found that again. But I am going to talk about a couple of articles which I have put together in this particular way. And it begins actually about Two weeks ago, I think it was, friends of mine showed me a video, which I, I struggled. I spent uh, half an hour today just trying to find this one video and then spent 10 minutes watching it and being well-remembered um, or well-recollected well, well recollected, 
um, in the video. It's a video by, um, I, and I don't know the provenance of it, but the group called, or the person perhaps called, uh, Kurzgesagte. That's the rough approximation of the pronunciation that seemed to be there. I presume that's a German name or, or, or word or possibly philosophy. The video that was called or is called True Limits of Humanity, The Final Border We Will Never Cross. It's actually a remake of an earlier video, which they explained in the video, so I won't give it too much time here. But it, it is a, a remarkably disturbing thought experiment, essentially, a logical uh, conclusion based on the current theories, which seem to be um, effective in their description of the universe. But it all boils down to a couple of very simple things, really. I say simple, but they're working on a galactic scale, so that may or may never not ever be s simple. And there are certain elements of this we've never figured out. But the first principle is the obser observation that was made several years ago that the universe is expanding. And it's doing so in a way which is still, for me, very difficult to grasp. So if you find it similarly difficult... Don't worry, you're not alone. But essentially, that space itself is expanding. And thus, the, the distances between clusters of matter is expanding. Now, these clusters are, are held together by gravity. And they're close enough and massive enough that they are uh, strongly held together. But in between those clusters and others, enough distance has been made so that gravity cannot overcome this force, whatever it happens to be, which is driving the universe to be larger and larger. So that was one element of it. And that alone is disturbing and, and I suppose could form the entire basis of what their claim is, which is that as the universe expands, things get further and further away to the point where it's going to be too far away for us to ever conceivably get to in our lifetimes. That is the beginning place. But a second fact was discovered some years later, which was not only is the universe expanding, but it's doing so at an ever-increasing rate, which means not only is the uh, car driving away from you, but it's also accelerating as it's moving away. Um, not only are you being abandoned by the rest of the universe, but it's doing so in an ever-increasing way. So that really just pours gasoline on the original concept and suggests even more quickly than before, we will be left alone in the universe. And that feels very scary in a certain sense. But then there's an additional wrinkle in all of this. And that is because they are accelerating and the acceleration seems to have no particular bounds that they are able to determine the logical conclusion is that they will eventually reach the speed of light. Now, we see the night sky um, every night, unless it's cloudy, of course. Uh, and, of course, you want to be avoiding some, uh, some light pollution. But we see that, that swath of stars overhead. I've only had an occasion um, a few times in the last few years where I've been far enough away from the actual city even a small city, to truly see the stars and the sky as it is in its totality. 
It's breathtaking. Every time I look up and as your eyes slowly adjust, you see more and more and more detail. And even when you see things which are are broad, uh, fuzzy spaces and realize that broad, fuzzy space is because A, it's so far away from you and B, it's so fully, um, um, so full of other distant stars. Um, once you realize that, it its significance grows immensely. As an aside, it always amazes me when we can use knowledge to enhance what we see so much, uh, how it can change our perceptions even. But the other part of this is about perceptions. The other part about it is, is, is looking up at the stars and what you see in the sky. One of the other realizations that occurred to me at some point, I have no idea where the source of it was, was that the sky does not exist like that. All those stars that are at different distances from us have delivered their light um, over vast interstellar spaces at the speed of light. And while it seems like it's instant on the small scale, on the large scale, it is anything but. So every pinprick of light I'm seeing in the sky came from a different time. The sky doesn't exist like that. It has never existed like that. It is a a slice of moments, but they're all different. The universe doesn't exist like that. It's a very shaking moment to realize that. Every time I stare at the sky, I feel that. But add to this the content of that video. And not only are each of those moments some element in time, many of those moments have passed by already. And in fact, the thing that was generating the light does not even exist within the visible spectrum for me any longer. It has passed beyond the speed of light in its travel, and thus its light will never be able to reach me. This is a horizon they describe it as, essentially, the local space, the border we will never cross. And what's more, it will only increase. The number of, of stars that are moving away from me will only ever increase. The number of stars that are being generated is a very, very small number. So eventually, they'll wink out one by one, until none of those stars are visible in the sky. And they outline the situation in the video. It is very dramatic. I'm providing some context, I hope, and some additional uh, ideas around it. But the video itself is very, very compelling. And I hope you look at it. The true limits of humanity, the final border we will never cross. But at some point, they envision the scenario when all of the other stars have moved too far away at too fast a speed for us to see them at all. And we will spend a long time in that darkness where we might presume that it has always been this way and that there have never been any other stars and that there have never been any other people on any other planet that is staring back and seeing us at some point in history. And that will be a very lonely universe. And while we might develop space flight, which allows us to travel even potentially close to the speed of light, once they have reached that point, 
the civilizations that exist may very well feel that it is entirely too futile to even bother to go into space. There's nothing to go to, they would conclude, because nothing can be seen. Only the historical records will exist that say, no, no, once when people looked up into the sky, they saw stars, and they wondered what was on those stars. They wondered about the people that might inhabit those stars. They dreamed they could travel to them, and they built great machines to try to do so, and beautiful theories that tried to defy the inevitable logic that seemed to be implied by the measurements and other theories that had come up. They'll no longer even try to do that. The ambition to travel throughout the universe will be gone. And for all intents and purposes, that universe will be gone as well, as if it never existed. Now, this is obviously talking about stars and things on the big scale. But it feels resonant on the small scale as well. It feels resonant because it makes me wonder about the feelings of missing out. FOMO. About how difficult it can seem sometimes with everything around you. So many things to go and see and do. And as you get a little bit older, you realize, well, some of those things have passed away. They're people. Some of those things are no longer accessible. They're video or books or stories. Some of those things have changed entirely and no longer can be experienced as you once thought they were. Places or experiences or festivals or conferences or conventions or even just landmarks that won't exist at a certain point. And how strange it will be if all of those are gone at some point and we have nothing but the local space to look at and never ever dream about those other places again. There's another problem I have with a lot of this particular presentation and it bothers me and I tried to explain to my friends and I will try to explain it to you as well, but I, I feel like I, I'm just on the edge of trying to be able to express it, but not actually able properly to express it. There's a statement in the video along the lines of, we're so incredibly lucky to be looking at the sky right now at this time and seeing this broad collection of stars. We're living in the peak, they say, of being able to see all of these stars. And after this, after this moment, they'll start to slowly slip away and never to be found again. And this assumption always bothers me this I would refer to as the Goldilocks assumption. That is to say that what we have right now is a certain peak period, that we are in the best time that ever existed for whatever reason. In this case, they're talking about for seeing stars in the sky, but we apply this broadly to so many things. We assume that whatever civilization we have right now is right in the middle there's an equal number, if you will, of primitive civilizations, or in our case, past civilizations, or extraordinarily advanced civilizations, in our case, future civilizations, and that somehow we're in the middle. And that assumption has always bothered me, because it seems to be some sort of self-centered, solipsistic uh, notion 
some sort of thing that tries to make us either feel more important than we are or less, which is weird for an assumption of being in the middle. I don't have a conclusion for that particular thought. As I said, I'm still working it out, and it's nearly 4.30 in the morning. But nonetheless, it feels like it's something important. So the other article which influenced my thinking this week is one on gravitational lensing. There was a remarkable event discovered or witnessed where four points of light appeared on a smeared circle around a particular... um, I'm assuming it was a star. I don't have the article in front of me, so I'm trying to do this from memory, which is dangerous at the best of times and, when tired, extraordinarily hazardous. But the the four points were actually the same star as seen reflected, not reflected, as seen through the bent space around this enormous star. And it is a remarkable way to be able to see throughout the galaxy. We can see things that we could not normally see because they would be blocked by the massive um, star in the front, the massive mass in the front. Um, And what it made me think about is the fact that what we would be seeing from these four uh, points is not what is now. We've already established when you're looking up at stars, you're not seeing what is now. They've had to travel. But what's even weirder is it took longer for that light to to be received by us because it was bent in a curvature of space and therefore had to travel a longer distance. So we're actually seeing even further back into the past than if we had seen the star directly. Now, I don't know if we'll ever find a way to truly use this. And to be honest, we're not using this effect. We're observing this effect. We don't have the ability to create gravitational lenses, at least not as far as I understand. But if we were able to see something in the far distance in space, we could actually witness it potentially in two different times. And even with the gravitational lens, if it's not necessarily... A uniform lens around, it may very well be that it's non-uniform form. The space that's warped is not warped in a in a the same way in all four spaces. And so f- some of that light might take longer to get to us and might represent more than one vision of the same place. That to me is mind-blowing. The idea of being able to see two points of the past or see the present and the past simultaneously Uh, is remarkable. Now, there's no way to return the favor and speak back to that past, so far as I understand, except, of course, if we do develop faster-than-life-faster-than-life-faster-than-light travel or some sort of black hole or warp speed, uh, there are some very strange potentials that get introduced in those sort of things. In those cases, we could both see the past and the present, and that may very well inform uh, how we move forward. There's also a quantum entanglement, which theoretically could break almost all notions of causality, but I'll leave that out for now. In fact, let's cat-paw that for now. I'm workshopping it. It's not going well. Instead, I'm going to have to say before I hit my 20th minute, I'm done, 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 done. And I will talk to you tomorrow, hopefully, with a lot more sleep and 
a lot more conciseness.